podcasting live from the 614 and the 858, the capital of the 17th state and America's finest city. This is another edition of the Robin Mob Show, a sports podcast with a little bit of attitude. And now your hosts, Rob Havner and Jeremy Lynch. The hyperbole is done. Now we can finally play the game. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Haskins. Intercepted by Teague. George Teague to the end zone. Touchdown. We're going to play football. Yippee. The ball's up in the air. Caught. Touchdown. Ball goes into the end zone, and it is in. Hold the phone, everybody. There's a penalty flag thrown, and I think it's against Miami. The royalty of college football is in assembly at the Rose Bowl 2006. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Vince Young scores. Texas has defeated Southern California to win the national championship of college football. Good evening and welcome. Uh, to the Robin Mob Show, the still the only show on the World Wide Web, making the haters play the front while we stay up front like handicapped parking. Good evening. Welcome to another bi-coastal edition coming to you from Worthington, Ohio, just outside the capital of the 17th state. I'm Rob Hammer, and joining me, of course, from sunny, not frozen at all, Southern California, is Jeremy Lynch. <laughs> as, you, as you heard on the way in, I'm going to get to Lynch in the weather later in the show. As you heard on the way in, the dulcet, bourbon-rich tones of the recently passed Keith Jackson. And uh, I know you tuned to us for some silly and some fun and occasionally some foul language. But uh, we're going to start here. Uh, Jeremy said something to me uh, as we were talking before we we got started. First of all, Jeremy, hello. Hello. Um, How are you doing, Rob? Good to see you. Or good to see you. Doing okay. You, you, Jeremy and I, this is, uh, and Jeremy, you'll appreciate this because you've been married way longer than I have. Uh, my lovely wife and I will say some stuff sometimes, and it's like she'll say what's about to come out of my mouth, and it'll scare me to death. And we were talking about the passing of Keith Jackson just a minute ago, and you encapsulated exactly where I was or where I've been on that particular event since you sent me the text message yesterday morning. Um, and you've got it even better than I have. Um, if you, if you're a certain age, his is the voice. Um, Chuck Culpepper for the Washington post, uh, had a piece that I have linked on my Facebook page. The opening paragraph of which is Sunday died in April of 2013. Now Saturday has gone along with, uh, and that Sunday reference uh, was, of course, uh, was in reference to the legendary Pat Summerall. And when you think of college football, other than football's cleats, helmets, and shoulder pads, nothing meant more to a generation of fans than the game itself, other than the voice of Keith Jackson. Um, 
we have, you and I have probably, between the two, have seen a couple of hundred <laughs> easy, a couple of hundred Keith Jackson called games. Uh, he's a guy, you said that's 10 Olympics. The NBA Finals, I think, uh, he did the very first season of Monday Night Football. Uh, and he has a great call in that one. That's a hell of a clip. Yeah, he because, did, he uh, did um, lead play-by-play with, um, for ABC with Bill Russell for four years. Which, yeah, it was the uh, early 70s. Yep. Late 60s, late 60s, early 70s, because CBS took over for the 73-74 season, and they had the NBA package until the Pistons' second title in 1990. Um, I know that because I'm a nerd, and... Uh, <laughs> I, I remember that. You remember this too, because you're you're just like me. You, you remember that cheesy watch the NBA on CBS promo from the late '70s. Oh yeah. Oh, when they were showing NBA Finals games in the and and on tape delay. But uh, Keith Jackson was. As I was telling my my lovely wife, uh, who is going to appear in the show via um, that. Bobby Bowden once said, you knew it was a big one when you looked it up on Wednesday and Keith Jackson was in your office. I've been at games that he's called. Uh, I was, I actually had him, I was at games that he called in back-to-back weeks. He had the, the 94 Ohio State-Michigan game, and I had him the following week because he and Bob Greasy had Florida-Florida State. I was at the 31-31 tie, and Keith was on that one as well. So that was kind of a weird thing that he followed me around for two weeks. But anyway, um, there's there's the things that he used to do that were so great. Um, like, <laughs> you, we played it, uh, the Desmond Howard punt return thing. Having called games, and, and Jeremy, you and I have talked about this before, and I make fun of myself. Because my first two years, I was reprehensibly bad. I didn't get good until I learned how to settle down and let the action do the work. This is the entirety of Keith Jackson's call of Desmond Howard's Heisman clinching punt returns. This is the. This is if you typed it out. This is what you saw on the closed caption. Nice kick. Got a little wind under it. Look at that. Oh my goodness. One man to beat. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. That's it. That's the entirety of the call. And, and you, it's perfect in every way. And you know, it's so funny because I saw a interview with Jackson um, a couple years ago. Um, I forget where I saw it. It might have been on ESPN. Um but he said that um, his one thought before every broadcast was basically the same for his entire career, and he never changed. And it was amplify, clarify, and don't intrude. And that those those that thought was everything that he used to let the action speak for itself and, you know, clarify when needed. And I, I just thought it was, it, he summed it up perfectly. And once you heard his summation of, you know, his broadcasting style, 
you got it. You, it made sense. Like not, you know, the shtick and, and, and his catchphrases and, you know, the, from Woe Nelly to the Big Uglies and, you know, all the things that we learned to love about Keith Jackson and his, you know, his southern down home um, way. Um, it, it, it had a, a method behind his madness. It wasn't just, um, you know, showing up and, and being Keith. He, he actually was, was uh, extremely good at his craft. Uh, obviously, you don't, you don't survive that long um, in that role um, over decades and decades uh, without being something special. Um, well, there are some amazing things in doing some research for this show. Um, you listen to the Robin Mob show, by the way. He's Rob Hadner. I'm Jeremy Lynch. And we're talking about the legendary Keith Jackson. Um, some things that I didn't even, like, remember. Um, you know, like, obviously I didn't remember the one in the 70s. Um, but um, there was a – there was a, um, he played – he did double duty, right? Because he was college football, he also did postseason baseball. And so oh, yeah. he was having to – call afternoon games for ABC and football, jump on a plane and fly to wherever the baseball game was. There was one in uh, October of, of 1980 um, called the Oklahoma-Texas Red River, Red River rivalry game uh, in the afternoon, then flew to Houston for game four of the NLCS. And Philly's Dr- Astros, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> Drysdale filled in. Don Drysdale filled in for Jackson on the play-by-play for the early innings uh, until he could get there. Um, so, you know, that along with, um, you know, starting out in college basketball in 87 um, as the lead play-by-play announcer for ABC, who was his who was his partner in 87 with ABC? Oh, man. For five years. This, who, is, a, this is a good trivia question. Who would have been... Unemployed then is a better <laughs> question. Uh, I got nothing. Dickie V. Vital and Jackson oh. were doing basketball for ABC from '87 to '92. That would have that would have had to drive him nuts because exactly. their their styles are complete opposite. Exactly, I'm amazed it lasted five years. Well, Vital himself tells that great story. His first game at ESPN is play-by-play guy took his headset and he said, are you going to calm down? And he said, yeah. And he gave him back the headset after the first TV timeout. So um, <laughs> Keith Jackson is actually on the call of the Reggie Jackson three home run game in the world series. Yep. That's him. Yep. Uh, he did Monday night baseball for ABC in the late seventies. Um. You know, Wide World of Sports, he did uh, those superstars network competitions that ABC used to have when we were kids. He did those, too. He said one of his favorite things he ever called in that Esquire piece that that I referenced earlier, or maybe Vanity Fair, uh, was he called the cliff diving somewhere for Wide World of Sports, and it was because it was someplace he'd never been. Um, he was... As a guy who's done play-by-play, you you try to emulate the guys that you like. And if you came through the industry today with that style, you would never get hired. You would never get hired because 
what you have now is you have an entire generation of young broadcasters who, like myself, when they wanted to get into it, were trying to work on catchphrases and, and coming up with a corny style. And what you have is you have speaker, what I call speaker crushers, like Gus Johnson, who some of his stuff is good, but some of his, some of his stuff is, and you and I know it, it's painful. Um, I just, it, it confounds me. It really does that, that there aren't more guys who do less like Joe Buck. Joe Buck catches a lot of hell because a lot of people think he's a little too opinionated as a play-by-play man, but his style is in that same vein. Um, like Enberg and, and, and as a kid who moved around, you, you got a lot of Keith Jackson games because, you know, in the in the eighties, what what most people don't realize is now every college game is on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, you got one. Um, exactly. You, you, you didn't get you, you. You didn't flip around. You you got a, you got a game and you, you liked it. <laughs> right, you got what you got. Um, like I always tell a joke about me. Nobody's seen more bad NFL football than I have because of the regional broadcast rule. Because and I tell this joke a lot. It, when we were in elementary, middle school, you'd be watching the Cosby Show or whatever. In the first break, in the eight o'clock hour, you know, you'd be like Bill Dolphins Sunday on NBC, and you'd be like, "Sweet Marino, Jim Kelly, all right, let's do this." And then Sunday at one o'clock, you'd be like, "Welcome to the Houston Astrodome for the Houston Oilers and Pittsburgh Steelers," and you know, it'd be six to three at halftime. And Buffalo and the and the Dolphins would be, you know, twenty five or twenty four, twenty three in the first quarter. But anyway, um, on September fourth of nineteen ninety two, I did my very first game on TV here in Columbus, and it was Dublin Kaufman at up Arlington, and Arlington won thirty five to twenty. By the way, and I knew it was my starting point, and I was proud to be doing the same thing that I would be at home watching Keith Jackson do the next day, and I hope that that our show, the Rob Mop show, he's much I'm have in some small way can carry on a legacy of both he and, and the late Dick Kemberg and the greatness of Keith Jackson will, will sorely be missed. And in a nod to his bourbon soaked dulcet tone, I have a, a small glass next to me here in one four of some Elmer T. Lee. So I will sit that throughout the show. To honor you, Mr. Jackson. Thank you for for painting the landscape of of a game that both Lynch and I love. Jay, let's take a quick break and then uh, we'll actually start the insanity. Sounds good. You listen to the Robin Mob Show. His former landlord uses him as a reference. He once let a snake bite him just to prove that laughter is the best medicine. Bikers walk their motorcycles past his home. His bravado can be seen from space. When he gets an idea, more than one light bulb goes off. He's made diamonds using peer pressure alone. His point of view is panoramic. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't always drink beer, but when I do, 
I prefer Dos Equis. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, New York, New York. Stay thirsty, my friends. about ghosts and goblins and witches in the break um but we'll, we'll tell you why i'm jeremy lynch he's robin Havner. you listen to the robin mob show hey one quick note uh about keith jackson before we jump into uh reviewing the college football playoffs um interesting note uh for ohio state fans uh jackson's career uh, was not free of incidents uh during the 78 gator bowl uh, we all know and and remember that well because of uh, the Hayes-Bauman incident. Um, so after the interception, and, and I'm sorry, uh, Jackson's doing the game with uh, Eric Parsegian. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, famous Notre Dame coach, right? Um, so A little bit. <laughs> yeah, Hayes gets frustrated, right? Go, goes through the antics, you know, does what he does to get fired. And then um, Jackson... Um, didn't see it. Either did Parsegian. And, um, you know, back in 78, there was no replay of the actual incident uh, available during the telecast. They were focused on something else. You know, they didn't have a billion cameras like they do now. Um, The replay capabilities were limited. And no sideline reporter was available to provide information. Um, So... They didn't really comment on the unsportsmanlike penalties that occurred. And later on, this led to accusations that Jackson was trying to protect Hayes, which I think is a little bit of conspiracy theory. But I just thought it was interesting that, um, you know, even somebody as neutral and, you know, unbiased as as we all know Jackson was, um, there was a, a certain segment of the population out there who thought, you know, he was trying to protect one of those legendary coaches by not saying anything, and it wasn't that at all. I mean, they did, they didn't catch it, um, and you know, because of limited technology, they uh, they they didn't want to comment on something that they they didn't have you know <laughs> at least two sources on. <laughs> so anyway, well, it, it's interesting you bring that up in in terms of Ohio State football because if you were actually at the championship game on my thirtieth birthday. Um, wow, was that hard to believe that? Fifteen years. <laughs> Fifteen years. Yeah, I was just going there. I was watching it here. It was he and Dan Fouts on the call, mm-hmm. and everybody hated it. Everybody hated, it. and I just and I still do hits for WFPA. It was, you know, I've been doing the hits for two years for WFPA in Fort Payne, and Mike uh, gripes all the time about uh, at least the last few years. Uh, last year in particular about um, Vern Lundquist. And I was like, for real, dude? <laughs> okay, whatevs. But anyway, let's let's get to last Monday night's festivities. The, the crescendo of the college football season in overtime. Uh, just, wow. Um, if you're Georgia... I guess let's start with them. If you're Georgia, how long 
how long do you wear the stench of this one? You know, thirty-seven years. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. Is that a shot at Georgia for not winning once in the last thirty-seven yep. years? No problem. Well, <laughs> I, I they're up. They dominate the game basically the entire first half, and then Saban makes the quarterback change. And I said, I said to my lovely wife, who thanks for letting us come out and play, um, as always. Right, and much love to the West Coast EPs as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, how do you even? Where do you even begin? If you're Kirby Smart, you're in the locker room. What do you even say? It's in the and I was thinking about that on Tuesday on the way into work, and as I was listening to uh, Golik and Wingo, and I came back to three things: the the drive, the fumble, and uh, the Music City miracle. <laughs> Bless you, because those are the things. Those are the only thing I can get to that were similar to that in a football sense, like a gut shot moment. Not so much like the Flutie play, because the Flutie play against the Canes that clinched him to Heisman, that was a regular season game. Um, Cordell Stewart to Michael Westbrook, regular season game. Um, The one that beat Nebraska uh, two years ago, BYU, regular season game. The thing with... uh, Central Michigan and Oklahoma State; those were regular season games. These yeah. weren't championship no, games. No, no, no. Um, and, and the most the re- circumstances behind it. I mean, and we'll get into the witchcraft um, <laughs> in a in a minute. But true freshman, he's played maybe he's thrown maybe fifty passes all in mop up duty. Comes in, you know, at halftime, and literally shows more poise than most fifth-year seniors would in that same situation. You know, like, let's say you bring in, I don't know, I, I guess it's its hard to compare, but, um, you know, you have a journeyman quarterback or, a, you know, a, a mop-up quarterback. He's been in the program. He's, he's run scout team. He's... Um, you know, knows the playbook inside and out. You've had the same coaching staff forever, and your starter goes down. You go to the fifth-year senior. He comes in. He looks polished and poised because he knows the plays inside and out. This guy's been on campus for Alabama since August. I mean, even if he signed early, it's only, you know, it's been nine months. Um, And he's... Cool, calm, collected, um, unfazed by some crazy things that happened to him too, right? He throws a weird pick off a helmet, um, comes back, uh, goes three and out on his first drive, um, then throws that that weird off-the-helmet pick, and no big deal. I'm going to still sling it around the yard, you know? And the fact that Kirby in postgame said – um, oh, yeah, no, we were prepping for him, you know, in case they made a change. And I'm thinking, really? Really? You guys had a week to prepare after, you know, surviving Baker and the boys 
Um, you pre- in one week, you prepared for Tua. Come on now. I'm not. I'm not buying that you guys spent a whole lot of time on Tua rather than Hearn. Hurts. Well, here's the thing, though. Um, having done done the Sean WFPA this year, and I listened to Saban's show to prep for that every week. Mm-hmm. Well, most weeks. Let me let me stop lying. Most weeks I listen to Saban's show. He used to get a lot of questions about playing uh, Tua, and. And he kind of brushed we'll, we'll, it off. We'll just refer to him as Tua so that we don't jack up his last name. Well, I can do it, but I have to be reading. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. And he, even, he said... It sounds like tongue. Go ahead, the first, The first syllable is tongue. That's all I know. And then, then I got to I gotta read. I got to be looking at it. <laughs> I got to read it. I, and I know they had it... it I've seen the game notes from that. Uh, Herb Street had it on Twitter. They had it phonetically in the game notes. So that they would mess it up. But anyway, um, he actually, if you extrapolated his numbers out for the season, if he had been the full-time starter and, and, and played at that pace, would have had ridiculous numbers. But um, everybody was asking when he would get more time because if you look at Hertz numbers for the season, you know, it was barely 2,000 yards passing and, and he handled it, and he's being praised for handling getting the hook beautifully. And I was telling people last week before the championship game that if Alabama won, there'd be a great deal of gnashing of teeth here, not because Ohio State missed the playoffs this year, but because they missed the playoffs two years ago with the best team, even though they lost the game at home uh, to Michigan State. Michigan State made the playoff and got lunched by Alabama, and Alabama went on to to survive Clemson. Ohio State gets in last year, gets mugged by Clemson, and I I was sure. And if and I think I even texted you this at the beginning of the season that was sure of one thing. And you're going to hear my dog start barking here in a second, folks. Here on the Mob Mob Show because uh, my stepson's coming, and there's the official. Midwest Coast Dogs of the Robin Mob Show, Joey and Annie. Well, I think they're barking because, because it's only 15 <laughs> degrees there, and you just let in some cold air. Right. Well, we're actually in the family room, which was subterranean. Because, you know, you, you, you didn't blast me with my, you know, with the information okay. on my text that I That's sent you that. where you said, you know, I hate you or you suck. You said you suck. You, you, you suck. <laughs> when I sent him a text with a, a screenshot of the weather here in uh, – the, the sunny 858. <laughs> right. The 614, we got sun, but what we got is snow. We had we had all four winters in one day. But, um... Well, here's my question. Here's my question about the whole thing, the way that whole game went down, right? I mean, referring to, you brought up Ohio State. They had a quarterback controversy, right? After they, you know, Barrett gets hurt in 14. Um, this is after on the heels of Miller you know, going away preseason camp with the shoulder injury. And um, from the quarterback position anyway, um, they go to a third stringer, right? We all know who came, who wasn't there to play school. Um, <laughs> wasn't there to play school. Car- Cardale. Um, and they go on, you know, they house Wisconsin. They, they go on to beat Bama. 
and then they beat they beat Oregon to win the title. Now that's a totally different situation, right? Because you had the Michigan game, you had four weeks to prepare, right? So yeah, it was third string, I know, but you know, totally different than this Tua situation. So Tua comes in to a game. The witch says at halftime. Hey, starting quarterback who's gotten me to two straight national championship games, 25-2, and two, only thrown one pick all year. Give me your helmet. Give it to the coaching staff. You're going to have a nice seat on the bench the rest of the game. I'm going to this five-star from Hawaii, and he's going to come in, and we're going to win the game. Who else does that? I was trying to think about the coaches in the, just say, top ten. Who would pull their starting quarterback who has that much success – leading the team, and sit him down. Who has the cojones to do that other than Saban? I mean, Saban, don't get me wrong. Um, if, he, if they don't win, they, there would be some, you know, as you say, gnashing of, uh, of teeth. That, uh, But he's built up so much cred and so much leeway. I mean, the guy has one statue. He, how many more he's going to have? you know, in Tuscaloosa by the end, who knows? Um, in my opinion, he's past Bryant because he's got five and nine, right? Um, right. It, it didn't take him decades to get it. But of the coaches in the top ten, who does that? I, I'm looking at the, the final polls, both coaches and AP right now. I have them up on the laptop. And nobody in the top ten, I'm thinking the only guy who would do it is sitting at 11. Brian Kelly would do it at Notre Dame because he's done it. Okay. I'll, uh, g- I'll give you um, Kelly because he's kind of, he's like that. I mean, his personality is like, I'm going with the guy who gives us the best chance to win. But, I mean, you're sitting in, you know, right outside the the um, the loop there in, in CBUS and, you know, right down the 315, you got a coach that's, in no way going to the backup, even though we saw what he did against Tison. Six of seven for 94 and a touchdown. Looking sharp, throwing the ball, darts. You know, and then you got Barrett, who struggled the whole time, the whole year. I mean, basically struggled after his freshman year, as redshirt freshman year. He struggled to throw the ball. And now, granted, his freshman year he had ridiculous receivers. And I will say Ohio State's receivers weren't, you know, they haven't been good since. Correct. But Look, still, who does? I mean, Urban's not going to do it. Well, the only other guy who's done it at that high a level is the OBC. Mm. Uh, Spur, Spur used to change him play to play. There yeah. was a stretch. Yeah. Uh, 93, 4, 5, until he settled on Werfel. Yeah. And, you know, um, you have to go back that far. Uh, Bowden did it for a while uh, in the pre and post Charlie Ward era. Um, well, I mean, you had, you had quarterback controversies, but you didn't have proven starter basically never playing backup. Um, and then just to say, all right, done, flip the switch, go to the new guy. I mean, you well, know, Jermaine, Jermaine Jackson oh. was totally different. No, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about you you have to go further back. You have to go forty years ago when uh Woody got got the gambling man and he had Rod Gerald and then <laughs> for for the opener 
Wow. Both the Gamble Man and Afro Rod came out, what's, and Afro Rod what's stayed wrong with in. entertainment purposes only. <laughs> <laughs> for that's in, our next teacher for <laughs> entertainment purposes only. Yeah, in, in actually, I might build that. I might print that and write it to <laughs> Vegas this year. Uh, right, but, rock it with rock it with pink. Exactly. Um, <laughs> no, you're right. Um, but that was the end, right? I mean, Bruce right. reaped the Earl Bruce reaped the the benefits of of the gambler. <laughs> In year two, weren't they undefeated or had a tie or something like that? Oh, they eleven zero and one. No, they were undefeated and then they lost in the Rose Bowl. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, Dick Ember's first Rose Bowl, by the way. Strong. Um, you know, just trying to stay on topic. I, I think... We like to drop I, knowledge on you here on the Robin Mob Show. He's Rob Habner. I'm Jeremy Lynch. You're listening to the College Football just, Block. I, to, to answer your question, nobody, I mean, other than Brian Kelly, uh, maybe Mark Rick, because he's done it. He did it when he was at Georgia. Nobody else would do it. And I, I think that just proves to you He's more, the witch is more, witch, football edition, more interested in winning than saving a player's feelings. Speaking of coaches, speaking of that coaching staff, Alabama's Brian Dable is joining Sean McDermott's staff as the Buffalo Bills OC. Um, and Kevin Sumlin gets retread, gets a retread job. He'll go from Texas A&M to Arizona where he'll have a super stud at quarterback in Khalil Tate. Who was fantastic last year? He so, was, but he still um, needs to learn how to spell. I don't know if you guys saw my tweet, but um, right, you know, he, they were talking about hiring um, Navy's coach and running the triple option. And Khalil Tate says, "I didn't come to Arizona to play or to run the triple option," and he spelled triple with two P's. And I said, "I just retweeted it and said he also didn't come to Arizona to learn how to spell." Uh, <laughs> Can Nia Matalolo? Yes, thank you. Yeah. But, there you, um, go. <laughs> you know, I, one other shot real quick across the bow. Um, Arizona had an opening because, you know, Rich Rod, which takes on a whole new meaning, uh, ah! got fired <laughs> because of se- his, sexual harassment allegations and or uh, improprieties. Uh, I have no idea, but um, it had – didn't he – he had, they had re-upped, I thought, on his contract. So I don't know what his out clause was for – but I didn't know Arizona had that deep of pockets on their boosters. Well, a lot of that – they're a basketball Although they, they may Although they may have fired him for cause. Yeah, and yeah, I which, think you're which right. Eliminate buyout. Right. And, of course, you have Dan Mullen changing divisions in the SEC going from Mississippi State to Gainesville or back to Gainesville where he was urban OC. But to put a bow on the college football uh, season, it really is uh, the tide and everybody else. And the scary thing is, and Herb Street said this on Monday night, there were freshmen at key positions on both of the rosters that were on the field on Monday night. So, if you're tired of of the tide, and well, everybody and everybody is outside of Tuscaloosa, <laughs> and maybe half of Fort Payne, they're not going anywhere. 
the only way they're not making the playoffs is two losses before Columbus Day. Um, and, so, and here's uh, the other thing. Georgia next year, if you look at their schedule, they have four pseudo road games. I'm not, I'm not even going to count the what we used to call the outdoor cocktail party. Um, and they're all the garbage. formerly known as the cocktail party. Yeah, they're all garbage <laughs> road games. So they have an awesome chance to go unbeaten. And now you could probably keep them out if they lose in the SEC championship game. But barring something crazy or, you know, some of these new coaches in the SEC rising up with somebody else's players and shocking the world or it just becomes a meat grinder in the SEC and everybody's got two losses, uh, you know, before the SEC title game. I could see a situation where we have Georgia and Alabama in the title or in the playoffs again, and then it leaves two spots for for the rest of the, the country, of the, the Power Five. And how many years in a row are we going to have a situation where conference champions don't get in to the playoff? I mean, it's going to be—is it going to be two years? Is it going to be three years? When are we going to get to the point where they say enough is enough? Conference champions are in. We're going to do one at large or three at large and then, you know, have a true playoff. That's all. Well, here's Georgia's schedule since you brought it up. Um, the governors of Let's Go P, uh, I'm sorry, Austin P will be the sacrificial land between the hedges on September the 1st. Then they go to South Carolina. They're home for Middle Tennessee. They're at Missouri and they close September at home against the UT Volunteers. They'll open a play in October against the Commodores of Vanderbilt at home. They go to Baton Rouge. They have a bye week prior to the game against the Gators. 3-3 CBS. Uh, at Kroger Field against the Kentucky Wildcats on November 3rd. They go to a return trip. To, I'm sorry, Auburn returns to them after visiting Auburn last year. Then they get the UMass Minutemen prior to their their rivalry game with Georgia Tech that has the nickname Good Old Fashioned Hate. And then should they survive that gauntlet, the SEC championship game would be Saturday, December the first of twenty eighteen. So their so out of conference schedule is Austin P, Middle mm-hmm. Tennessee State, mm-hmm. UMass, mm-hmm. And, and, Georgia, hey, and Hate. Georgia Tech. Right. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine <laughs> I mean where, you, seem wow. a, you seem a little less than pleased what is that what is that you I mean I thought, I thought the, the playoffs were supposed to encourage teams to play better teams out of conference I mean and you're in the east <laughs> you're not even in the west of the SEC I mean look at, look at their schedule okay South Carolina, offensively challenged. Missouri, I don't even know what they are right now. Tennessee's going to have a new coach, and it's going to be, you know, more incest in the SEC. You know, Pruitt from Alabama. Oh, come on, No, I mean, come Come on. on. We're all just, you know, we're all having fun with each other. It's fine. Come on. Uh, Vandy, okay, that's a a JV squad. Um, At LSU. You know, as much as I liked the hire, Ed O, I don't know what they're doing now. Who'd they hire? They just hired an OC. They fired uh, Canada, right? Yeah. And and they, for I, who knows what, I forget. Um, 
for attempting to run an offense. Yeah. yeah, and then but then they hired their somebody from within, and it was just it, it made no sense because it, I feel like they're going backwards, right? And and they're going to be using negative recruiting against them. LSU <laughs> is going in the wrong direction. You got Florida, who okay, Mullen, great hire, but he still got you know bad players right now. They got offense. quarterback problems. Yeah. Right? The, uh, at Kentucky. Well, not see you're, you're focusing on the wrong thing here. That's not the worst major college schedule for 2018. No, no, I'm no, 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 no. I'm not saying. Oh, here that. it is. Okay, here, here it, it is. <laughs> I will give it to you. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna tell you who it is. I'm gonna let you guess who it is after I finish reading it. Okay. They open at home against Michigan. Then followed by a home game against Ball State, a home game against Vanderbilt. Their first road game is at Wake Forest. (laughs) Then they're home for Stanford, at Lane Stadium, home for Pitt, at Qualcomm for the Naval Academy, at Ryan Field for the Northwestern Wildcats, home for the Florida States for the first time since 1993. At Yankee Stadium to take on Syracuse, and they will finish their schedule against the Sweater Girls at the Mausoleum in Los Angeles, California. Tarnish Dome. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there it is, my brother. Wow. That is a – I was just – Tanya and I were talking about they're, that. They're gonna complain, but they're, they're going to yell about, oh, we scheduled T-Sun. We're, we always got, you know, uh, Cardinal. We got Vatek is up. In, they were, you know, top 15. You know, Navy owns them, and that's going to be in my backyard before they, you know, close down SDCCU Stadium. Uh, <laughs> See, why you got to be that dude? <laughs> and, you know, they'll, they'll go, oh, look how good USC is. Well, you hammered USC by 30 this year. So how good is USC? By well, we won't know because now they've got – they're replacing the quarterback. Uh, and Florida and State the interest- had six wins. Yeah, but one of those wins they had was a rescheduled game just to get to no, six I so know. they could extend their bowl streak. Yeah, so. go to Mississippi and play a bowl game. That's good. Right. <laughs> and in the interest of equal time, I'll give you Ohio State and then we'll take a break. You listen to the Rob Mob Show, Lynch and Half, lovely wife and dogs here on the Midwest Coast. Oregon State, Rutgers at Jerry World for TCU, home for Tulane at Penn State, home for IU, home for Minnesota at Purdue, home for Nebraska at Sparty, home for the Turtles, or excuse me, at the Turtles, fear the Turtles. And their ugly uniforms. And home for Seniors Day. That one belongs to Ohio State. They get, but, they get a bye week before Scott Frost comes in, just by, just for reference. Right. Well, they have a couple of bye weeks. they got Oregon State and Rutgers. So that's two <laughs> in September. And then uh, Minnesota at with Rose. The- at Jerry, Jerry World, is that, that's a good game. Yeah, it's a good get. It's perfect for scheduling purposes, particularly if, you know, say by that point, let's see what they've got. 
prior to that. Oh, they got nothing. They got Southern and uh, SMU before they play Ohio State. And then after that, their schedule gets interesting. At Texas, home for Iowa State, Texas Tech, then the Sooners come to town. So um, there's I, I like that some of these teams, particularly in the Big 12, they've got some all capital letters teams this year. Um, I mean, at least one of them does. Oh, real quick, uh, before we, <laughs> real quick before we go to break. One of the feeds on the national championship game had I'm a man uh, in the coaches in the coaches uh, room watching the game, and, and I thought it was hilarious that Gundy says I'm offended by these offenses in the first half of the Georgia uh, Alabama game, and my thought was you should be offended with your defense. Because that's the only reason that you're never in a big bowl game. And I'll leave it at that. Preach. We'll we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hit up some round ball, talk some college hoops. He's Rob Haber. I'm Jeremy Lynch. Stick and say it's the Rob and Bob Show. Buy some shirts, (laughs) y'all. Diet and exercise are never easy. Then again, neither is dying. Sadly, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and stroke kill nearly a million people a year. Most of these deaths could be prevented. Please, talk to your doctor about your risk for diabetes and heart disease. And if your doctor recommends lifestyle changes or medication, listen. The reason so many die is because not enough are willing to change. You can stop it, starting right now. It's your life. Listen to your doctor. Eat better. Get moving. (laughs) (sighs) Welcome back to... The bi-coastal edition of the Rob Mob Shaw, Lynch and Half, Jeremy Lynch, Rob Havner, and our veritable cast of warm, fuzzy dogs. Lynch, you know, has been out in the 80-degree <laughs> sunshine for too long because apparently he can't follow the rundown. Uh, hey. We're actually going to talk. Hey, <laughs> you know, I was getting playoffs. so excited about college basketball that I totally <laughs> forgot there were NFL playoffs going. That's fine. Um. Uh, the shield getting lucky uh, the last couple of days. Yesterday's action, Philadelphia survived at home 15-10 over the, the Dirty Birds. And uh, the Witch, in a fell edition, 35, Tennessee just participating. Tennessee took a 7-0 lead and gave up five straight touchdowns, y'all, including two in the last three minutes of the first half. That game was over. And, I mean, over. O-V-A. Over. That, um, that game was over when Tennessee won their game in the, the previous round. <laughs> did you see the meme of Belichick sleeping and Brady laying there with taking a nap with his head in Belichick's lap? And it was <laughs> the Patriots prepared for Tennessee. <laughs> I was just like, oh, wow. That's awesome. Tennessee hasn't played up there since uh, – Oh, the Vince Young era. That was the game when uh, we made fun of this. You and I talked about this one. Uh, 
Fisher's nose was running and the mucus froze in his mustache. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's going to be awful when yeah. it thaws out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it was like two, it was like 21 below zero with the wind chill or something. It was, it was all oh, awful. Tennessee has, has not went up there since 1993, I think is, is what it was. When it, so that's a Warren Moon team. It's, that's Warren Moon. That's that run and shoot with uh, Kevin Gilbride and. Uh, Warren Moon's uh, got his own issues. Right. <laughs> the, um, the official cat of the Robin Mob show making an appearance, ladies and oh. gentlemen. <laughs> well, she, sorry if uh, we get a little background. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I know the feeling. Time to eat. <laughs> um, right. We did that already, posted the recipe. Um, Minnesota, we'll get to the, earlier in the AFC today. You had Jacksonville. Yes, Jacksonville, 45. Pittsburgh, 42. And in the nightcap, the improbable 29-24 win by the Minnesota Vikings, who keep alive their chance to be the first team in the Super Bowl era to be hosting the Super Bowl in their stadium with a chance to play in the game. And that looked like it was dead and gone when New Orleans kicks a field goal with under a minute to go. No, how many seconds? 30 seconds to go? 33 seconds, something like that? Here's here's what happens. 25 seconds. Here's what happens, Jeremy. New Orleans is playing in Philadelphia next week if they do one thing and one thing only. And you know what that thing is? Run the damn ball. Once they knew they were in field goal range, run the ball. Yeah. Instead, you know, you, they're, they're empty, a trip stack east, double banana shoot comeback. <laughs> I'm looking at that like, what the hell are they doing? And Tammy and I are watching together, and I said, what are they doing? And she goes, I have no idea. <laughs> and then their kicker makes a bomb. And then, and I said on the, on the game winner to Stefan Diggs, um, the guy that misses the tackle lowered his head. Yeah. And you see what you hit, because when he misses, he hits – his teammate on the other side of Stefan Diggs and then Stefan Diggs can essentially moonwalk to the end zone. And I, it, I can't believe you got to do a better job of clock management. And for that to happen to a guy like Sean Payton, who is so good at, at doing that, that very thing, it, it, it was stunning. It was a stunning late game collapse. And I think when they have three lead changes, in the last three minutes and 40 seconds. Um, it's the largest, um, it, it was the largest comeback in a playoff game since last February. Yes. Yeah, and the Super Bowl. which put it up as the second largest of all time behind only the one that happened on my 20th birthday when the bills would rally from, Back down thirty two to win in overtime forty one thirty eight. But if you're, um, if you're the last line of defense, all you have to do is just slow them up long enough for anybody else to tackle them. Instead, you go Superman with no eyes. Right. You you have to get that guy on the ground. You have to because if you get him on the ground inbound, you're going to give up 
That was a 20-yard game. The game's over. It would have been. They had no timeouts. There was no way they were going to get up to the line and spike it. And an ode to Keith Jackson, the big uglies weren't going to get set. We'll never know. No, we will never know. But, you know, we're we're pretty I'm going to turn – let me turn our attention quickly to the Pittsburgh game earlier. Um, We were watching the game. Bortles? And – Bortles. Bortles service, baby. Bortles service. Um, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, 469 yards. Ray Pleisberger? Right, 469 yards. Right, (laughs) 469 yards. Um, In a losing effort. The quarterback with the best total QBR in the divisional round, anybody know? Blake Bortles. 90.8. Which is crazy. Right. Uh, He was, let's look at Bortles' numbers. 14 to 26, 214 yards and a touch. Um, this is I want to go to the game. This is a team that scored ten points, one on a fourth down, crazy good throw. That you know pulled pulled it out of his starfish. Um, wow! I'm not even sure what Bortles was doing against Buffalo, but they only scored ten points. Ten points. They threw up forty five against Pittsburgh. A team who but was still... sitting there waiting. Actually, they were looking ahead. There were so many quotes right. from the Steelers that they basically said, you know, this, that, and the other thing about playing New England and, you know, Bortles is terrible and blah, blah, blah. It was just like Tomlin lost control of that situation before they even stepped on the field. No, no, no. There are two things here. Two things here. On the Tevin Smith, or the Telvin, I'm sorry, Telvin Smith fumble recovery, as you listen to the Rob Mop show, let you have. Um, here with your mom, mom back on by a shirt or two. Um, Telvin Smith gets flagged for taunting for pointing at the Steelers guys who were chasing him. They called it after the play, though. What, what was that? Right. That should have wait, been wait, wait. first down at the 20. Right. Well, he did it at the five. No, he did it at the 10. Okay. It was, it was still, so, I mean, it was, it was, it was during the play. Right. Here's what – so my lovely wife says, why is that penalty being enforced on the kickoff and not from the spot of the infraction? Mm-hmm. I said, well, it's written woman. in the – Right, she is. So over the course of the afternoon, we were sort of talking this through, and I said, so what we've come up with is this. I refer to it now as the Tammy taunting rule. <laughs> it's – 15 yards from the Alliteration, spot brother. The, I know, that was tough. Especially since I've been, I've been drinking, y'all. Um, <laughs> it wasn't F words, it was T, so right. 15 yards from the spot of where the infraction takes place. So in this case, it would have been, it was at the 10, they would have got the ball at the 25, where you don't know if they would have got a touchdown there. It puts them in field goal range, but you don't know if they're going to get a touchdown. Plus, it takes the points off the board. So imagine this scenario if the competition committee went to that instead of some bunk-ass ensuing kickoff from the 20, which gives the Steelers the ball because the kicker slipped at the right where just about where they were 
when Roethlisberger fumbled and then Pittsburgh still scores at the end of the half and it's 28-14. Then Le'Veon scores and it's 28-21. And then the Jazz come right back and score on a five-play 61-yard drive. And then A.B. A, scores. And I'm still trying to figure out how the hell A.B. caught he's either one of those he's, touchdowns. He's ridiculous. And if you don't have it for your gaming console on Madden 18, throw the ball near A.B. and watch what happens. Because it's the same thing. Um, and then, of course, the other thing that there's that, and I, I like the, the Tammy taunting rule because it's punitive. It's immediate damages for you doing something dumb. Whereas now, okay, so we give them good field position. And in that instance, after that, that particular sequence, Pittsburgh scores, but Imagine if those points come off the board. Say they only get three there, right? So instead of being up twenty-eight to seven, it's twenty-four to seven, and then that, that changes the tenor of the game there. But, oh, big time! Because um, you know, in, in the end, they only lost by three, and right. you know, who knows with you know your boy Bortles at uh, quarterback if they even get a field goal if you know they penalize. Um, Jacksonville from the spot of the foul and put him at the 25, you know, a couple of dumb plays by Bortles and, you know, they could be at the 40 out of field goal range. Well, and here's, if you look at the numbers and then looking at the final numbers there, the Jacksonville defense, allegedly number one in the league, gave up 545 yards. They were plus two in turnovers. Uh, time of possession is roughly even, 31-10 for the Steelers, 28-50 for Jacksonville. Pittsburgh 28 first downs to 22. So well, what you had was Pittsburgh was so far behind so early. They had to scrap right. the game plan. Bell was a non-factor for most of the game and they just had to sling it around. I mean they they used Bell out of the backfield a little bit, but nothing I mean he he should have been toting the rock and shortening the game the other way. Right. Um, and we see what that he was Le'Veon finished 16 carries 67 yards and a touchdown and he is apparently uh, on the record as saying rather than play for the what should be in the neighborhood of 15 million dollar tag that he'll sit out next year yeah sure you will yeah you can sure move to will. California where pot's legal <laughs> oh see that's not right oh that's it is right, right. <laughs> he's friends with some hanging of out our, with uh, LeGarrette Blunt. Blunt. Just saying. Right. That's very blunt of you. I'm not um, saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Telvin Smith, in addition to scoring uh touchdown for Jacksonville, their leading tackler today, 16 tackles, 14 solos. So I'm just throwing that out there. The Jack, yeah, I don't want to get into it. Uh, <laughs> way too early picks for next week. Who you got? AFC Championship game, the early game next week, Jacksonville. At the hoodie. Uh, that would be the AFC game. Um, man. I don't... I mean, uh, there's a reason they play the game, but I don't see... I don't see Jacksonville being able to stop. As good as their defense has been, you know, hyped up to be. And I mean, if, if Ray Pleisberger can throw for 469, what's Brady going to do? I mean, it's not like New England's there to run the ball. They're there to throw the ball. And, well, I don't know. I mean, if Jacksonville can get pressure on 
you know, Bortles, I mean, I guess they could get pressure on Brady, but I just don't see a scenario where they go up to Foxborough and win. So I'm taking the Patriots. I, I, I think I'm going to lean that way as much as I'm going to throw up all over myself. Yeah, I mean, do we um, really want to, what is this, seventh straight NF, uh, AFC title game if they, if they win? Right. They actually broke a tie three years ago uh, with the early 90s Cowboys who made it to four consecutive NFC championship games. And we all know um, about the Bills. And the Bills, who also made it to four. Um, the Bills actually broke the Dolphins' record because the Dolphins made it uh, 71, 72, 73. Um, <laughs> as the little dog has now just absconded with my leg rush. Um, so, yeah, it's seven straight cha- conference championship games is nuts. It's, I'm, trying, I'm trying to figure out the divisional era of the Yankees with the under the Jeter administration playoff run, the Braves playoff run, but you know that's just making the playoffs. They're one step away from playing for championship for the seventh consecutive year. That's nuts. I mean, basically, the Patriots are turning the AFC into the Big Twelve in basketball. Right. Great analogy. Week at the good six. good work by you. Thank you. Week at the six. Although this year. I've been unimpressed with week at the six, and we'll get we'll get to that in the next block, which we'll actually we'll talk get that about college basketball. Okay, see. you read the card that time. See, see how you did? See how I did that? Um, yeah, it was good. It was good stuff. <laughs> but I, I like the Patriots. I think you're leaning that way too. Um, unfortunately, uh, what, what do you like? In the I, NFC? I, you know what? I'd love to see Minnesota get to play a home game on the first Sunday of February. So, and. Because the Eagles are in the division with my favorite team, I'm not pulling for those bastards. So, uh, let's go. Let's go purple. I would love to um, see. I, I think Minnesota is going to do it. I mean, you got Keenum against Foles in the NFC title game. Okay. Bortles against Brady. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you got no, you have three the- guys that basically shouldn't have a job. Right. right. And then Brady. One of them. Case Keenum should be a finalist for MVP. One of them, Case Keenum, might get franchise tagged because Minnesota doesn't have a quarterback under contract for 2018. Wow. Bridgewater Ruminate. and and Bradford out. And the human ace bandage, all all free agent. Wow. And here's my thing. We were sitting watching the the uh Saints game. And I uh, when they missed that field goal, I said, when are they going to, if they lose, they're going to dig up that Gary Anderson clip. And then with about two and a half minutes to go in regulation, they showed Gary Anderson missed that field goal. And they did them giving that up in 98 when they lost to the Dirty Birds at home when, you know, they had Moss and Hall of Famer Chris Carter from. Uh, the So... There you go. Both you and the wife. That was good. The in stereo. <laughs> Cross country in stereo, the that's what's up. Um, I just there's no scenario other than if they were playing the Patriots that I would pull for anybody in the division of my beloved Dallas Cowboys. Um, All right, so we'll we'll, makes just, me... we'll just stick to the NFC and AFC championship game picks and we'll leave the Super Bowl picks for the week of the uh terrible Pro Bowl. I like it. 
Because actually, we did our very first shows. We're coming up on the 10th anniversary. Mm, strong. That'll, that'll in be the, the day, in, won't it? Yeah, it'll be the gap. Because we did it in the bye week. Yes. And we we did a lot of drinking that night, from what I can uh, recall. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. We won at Hall of Fame Saturday, but there were beverages. We're going to take one more break. We're going to come back. We're going to get into some hardwood. We're going to figure out who the best team is. It's for the first time in a long time, and I don't know that my wife has ever heard us do this one. Real or front in college basketball style, let's lynch and have y'all. Round mm. Mop Show. Bye, shirt. <laughs> <laughs> The masquerade party he threw in 1987 is still taking place. He once won a dog show with a werewolf. Zombies have risen just to shake his hand. The only time he feels goosebumps is when he pets geese. Ghosts rearrange his furniture to be more aesthetically pleasing. He'll wear a mask, but he has nothing to hide. The raven quoth him. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't always drink beer, but when I do, I prefer Dos Equis. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly, imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, New York, New York. Stay thirsty, my friends. Eating in the garage? We don't eat in the garage in the Rob and Mob show. We drink in the garage. Oh, no, no, no. We drink, we in, drink the in the garage. He's had drink and smoke cigars. VIP <laughs> Saturday. No. Um, he's had on Lynch. It's the Rob and Mob show. We're going to actually, actually talk round ball for college basketball this time. I was, you know, distracted by the <laughs> sunset here. Ahead. Distracted oh, by the you sunset. Suck. Well, there's a sunset everywhere. It's just a little warmer here. I, I walk right. the dog in shorts. It's fine. Oh, okay. That's fine. You're, you're going to play golf on your I, birthday. I walked to the bank and emptied all of my money so I could pay my rent, too. Nobody, we, right. we, we didn't talk about that the first time. <laughs> no. No, you know, I, I sent him a screenshot that says, you know, it's 83 degrees here. And actually, that wasn't even the high. It was like 85. And, uh, you know, just to rub it in. And then he comes back with, you suck. And I said, I also pay $2,500 for a mortgage payment for a little house. Thank you. Okay. We have the same amount of square footage. We pay a lot less than you. Yes, you do. <laughs> I pay. I pay. For, uh, sunshine is expensive, right? We, warm, it, it, warm it, well, it should be. It, well, it should be in it, January. It, it should. And you know, we have a, we have a housing <laughs> crisis somehow here. We don't have enough houses or apartments or live, you know, dwellings for. I wouldn't even call some of them houses dwellings for uh, the people here. And the, you know, we got these crazy census things that say, oh, you know, we're going to need X number of houses in. 20 years to keep up with everyone. I'm like, who's moving here? Because I made the Who mistake. Six, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, actually, you know who can afford to move here? Some of the people who coach college basketball these days. Word. Word. Jay Wright, we're looking at you. Nice suits. Yeah, um, right. He's a guy. We were talking about Minnesota in the last segment with the walk-off, and I forgot to even bring this up, and I wrote it down. The last divisional walk-off I can remember was the uh, Danny White to Tony Hill in Fulton County Stadium to beat the the Barkowski Falcons in 1980. Wow! And then they ended up right, 
And then they went up and got whacked by Philadelphia 20-7 in the NFC Championship game. And that was part of the trilogy. That was the front end of the trilogy. That was 1980. Then they lost on the catch in 1981. And then he got smoked by uh, Rigo and the Skins in 82. Uh, but, yeah, that's the last one I can remember in a divisional round game. Um, the Jacksonville thing is the biggest upset since they beat the uh, the one seed, the 96 Denver Broncos. Mm. Yes. When they uh they when they lost to uh New England, they lost at New England in the ninety six uh AFC championship game. Uh Mark Brunel and Keenan McCardell and who's on the coaching staff and Jimmy Smith and and uh that group of dudes to put it. Um let's looking quickly. So then Villanova of the walk off championship win two years ago, still burned. Uh, you won it last year. Relax, dude. <laughs> right. I know. Um, and I have the book. I got the book. Got the t-shirt, baby. And the Which locker you can room hat. after you win. Right. You don't get the, the conference title game. You don't get the, you know, regional semis or any of those things. No, you don't do that. No. I try to tell people that all the time. Don't buy that stuff. Because if they get better shirt, because you can get you that Because if you didn't early. win that game, it goes to Nicaragua. It goes to Guatemala. It goes to Haiti. Right. It right. goes to the S-hole countries that our president referred to as, wow. well, why are those people coming here? Yeah, we're, we're not. Because really they want more NCAA America. shirts that didn't actually happen. <laughs> Speaking of the defending champs, number 20 uh, <laughs> in the AP poll. Real or front? <laughs> uh, really no. pissing off the co-host of the show. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, Tough game against Notre Dame last night, a one-point win. For them, I think they will be fine. I don't anticipate them going back to back, so I'm going to roll that into my t-shirt budget and just buy cool Duke sucks t-shirts from JohnnyT-shirt.com. For entertainment uh, purposes only, will look good too. Right, <laughs> that's going to be strong. I want that in gray in in the gray with the Carolina blue lettering. Uh, I, I would rock make that. that happen. <laughs> I'll rock that at the mall. Um, <laughs> Actually converted the wife to a Carolina basketball fan. Uh, wow. She, because she, she has something to be excited about now, but we'll get to that in a second. Oh, yeah. That's true. Let's look at the AP Top 25. Villanova, uh, number one. West Virginia, who lost yesterday. Uh, UVA at three. Uh, wow. Michigan State at four, but we'll get into them in a minute. Purdue, Wichita State. Uh, Durham. Texas Tech, OU, X, Arizona State, week at the six. Uh, Overrated. Overrated. <laughs> New Jersey Big East School, UC, Zags, Horned Frogs, Cacti, Tucson Cacti. FBI? Is that what you said? I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay. Arizona, Clemson, Defending Champs, Blue K, Auburn, Florida State, Tennessee, and Blue Jays of Creighton. Coaches poll very similar. Uh, Villanova, West Virginia, UVA, uh, Izzo, Wichita State, Durham, per what? Texas Tech, <laughs> OU. Per don't, per uh, who, per why? <laughs> Arizona State, week at six. Week at six. 
UC Zags, New Jersey, Big East Division, Horned Frogs, Clemson, Champs, U, <laughs> Blue K, Cacti, Tucson Edition, Crazen Blue Jays, Big Orange, Roundbound, Roundbound of Rebound alumnus, and Tarnished Dome. Um, not listed amongst those polls are the locals who have two of the best wins in consecutive games that anybody's got this year. So I'm just going to open up our often imitated, we stole it, but we do it better segment, Real or Frontin', brought to you by us on the Rob Mom Show. <laughs> is, Ohio, is Ohio State basketball real or frontin'? <laughs> wow. I mean, this is so hard for me because for for so long – I haven't had to go to Vegas and worry about entertainment purposes only with the, with the locals, right? Uh, you don't have to worry about, you know, is my money going which way, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, we won't talk about illegal activities. Well, they're legal there, but you know what I mean. It's legal um, there. Yeah. Lots of things are legal there now. But, um, oh, no, time out. <laughs> um, you know, early in the season, they lose to the Zags by a million. You know, Carolina handles them pretty easily after, you know, a slow start by the champs. Um, they gag on themselves against, you know, Holtman's old team. Clemson comes back from double digits and smashes them, although Clemson's looking pretty good this year. Um, and then all of a sudden, they get into Big Ten play, right? The little IG. <laughs> um <laughs> I see you were. <laughs> and, you know, they beat number one, allegedly. And, <laughs> you um, ain't right. You know, they, they beat T-Sun, who is looking like a, a good win. They hand Wisconsin their worst loss in the Kohl Center ever. Excuse me? There's a trivia question. What Ohio, what, or what team has beaten Wisconsin by the most points ever at the Kohl? Uh, Chris Holtman, er, Thad Mata's, er, Chris Jackson led Ohio State team. Wow, what? Um, you know, because of the conference they play in, I'm going to say that they're kind of real. I mean, if you look at their schedule, they already played Sparty. They don't have a return visit. They only play per Y once. And, I mean, it's on the road, so chalk up an L there. I mean, Purdue's looking pretty good. They may be the most underrated team in the country, even though they're in the top five. Um, just because their height and their, their guard play. I mean, they're they got they going to be a tough out in, in, in March. But Ohio State doesn't play anybody else. I mean, who who, who else is left? At T-Sun? Okay. Well, here's what, here's what they've got left after tonight's 68-46 waxing of the State University of... New Jersey. New Jersey. Um, they're at Northwestern on uh, Wednesday. Uh, Saturday, home for Minnesota. Uh, then they've got no, Nebraska. You know, that, that's a mistake, I think. I think they're – because I've read a couple times that they had three straight road games. I thought it was at Rutgers, at Northwestern, at Minnesota. But every schedule I've seen says they have five straight home games after these two road games. Am I – Yeah, that's what – that's what I'm looking at is five straight homers. Which is uh, crazy. Minnesota, Nebraska, Penn State, IU, and 
the University of Illinois, uh, followed by that aforementioned trip on February the 7th to Matt Painter. And see, uh, the crazy part about... Iowa comes here on the 10th, so maybe we should go to that and throw things at the Iowa basketball team. <laughs> uh, at Penn State, at Michigan, home for the State University of New Jersey. And then they will finish up at Assembly Hall. And most of those games, they, would, they, they, they should be favored, which is a crazy thought because this is the same same team who, you know, the aforementioned team that got smashed against Gonzaga, which isn't a bad loss, but they also played toe-to-toe with Miami of Ohio. I know it was probably a, you know, they had a week off between games and, you know, they were looking forward to the Big Ten slate. Big 14. <laughs> Um, what are you talking about? Big 14, that's all. And um, it's just ridiculous. Like, I feel like they're doing it with smoke and mirrors. I mean, you have, you know, Jermaine Tate playing Napoleon. You have uh, Chris Jackson, who couldn't hit water from a boat last year. You have... Dockett shooting 71% from three going into the game tonight. Excuse me? Yeah, he had 11 in the first half against Maryland. Maryland should have been a matchup nightmare for Ohio State. Holtman goes small ball, and they win by 22. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know how they're doing it. I mean, other than KBD being a freak, and he should be the Big Ten player of the year. I mean, guys averaging 20. Um, put up first guy since Michael Red to drop 25 or more in three straight Big Ten games for the Buckeyes. Um, West High School, y'all. <laughs> West High. Um, yeah, this team is. Coltman's doing a lot with Thad's boys. Let's put it that way. They are in last week's edition of the ESPN power rankings for college basketball. They were Ohio, Ohio State was not or their last 25th um, based on beats out Creighton for the last spot simply based on the fact that the Buckeyes have a signature win, probably the signature win on the season over number one Michigan State. And then they knocked off Michigan. And none of their four losses are bad. No, they're all in the top 50 of – losses and they're ranked 25th in the RPI. I mean, they played a tough schedule. They didn't win any early, but you know what? They beat Stanford in, in Oregon in the PK 80 Stanford's four and one in the pack. I don't know if what that says about the pack, but I mean, that that's looking like a better and better win. Um, there's six well, here's and a in the big question 10. for you. Six and on. Right. Here's a quick, here's a question for you. Name the only coach to ever go six and zero in his first six Big Ten games, conference games at Ohio State. Chris Holtman. No one has not ever been done before. Wow. Not Fred Taylor, not Eldon Miller, not Gary Williams, not Buck Tooth, Randy Ayers. <laughs> Not Jim. I'm suing because I had six grand in cash. O'Brien. I was paying for a few. Not, Come on now. Not even sad because if you remember the team he had with Conley and those dudes, their first Big Ten game was at Cole and they lost by one. Yeah, hold so, I mean, he might be the new witch. <laughs> slow your roll. 
they're going to get it figured out. I, you know how you're listening to the Rob Mob Show, and you know how this show feels about Tom Izzo. We're going to give him a rope factory, so he's oh, going to yeah. be all right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think if if there's one thing that stands out to me about this team is if you just look at the numbers where it says Ohio State 91, Maryland 69. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, what? It, it makes you say, uh, you know, it gives you the little, the, the dog head tilt. Like, I don't understand what that means. But right. anyway, let's, 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 had- let's throw a couple more out for... Okay. Real front. Oklahoma. Uh, um, they really may have the best player, and I think they are really going to maybe win the Big Twelve for <laughs> the first time. But I I love. I haven't really seen a lot of them because um, you know I'm I'm married and and I don't watch a lot of college basketball during the week. I'm probably not even going to start to get locked in until maybe the week before the Super Bowl. Um, and you know me, I'm a who's junkie. Trey um, Young is college Steph Curry. Truth. He's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, he's got crazy range. His efficiency numbers are off the charts. I mean, I the, guy, the guy went for 43-11-7 and seven right. against TCU. Right. TCU's like one and four in the twelve and they're not they're a good team. I mean, they gagged on themselves at Texas and missed a bunny to win. But the XII has no bottom. Their their conference is ridiculously good. Like when when week of the six is like the third best team. You yeah, know, you got you, their, their conference has arrived. Well, and it's it's a matter of time with them. Uh, I, 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 in terms of league. in terms of depth, right? They they've been there for. Right. I mean, they've always had three or four good teams at the top, but Texas Tech, really? Yeah, that coach is. Uh, he's not going to be in love for long. No. Um. But. Uh, what about Clemson? Real or front? I think they're real in the regular season, front and in the post. Hmm. I like that. That's as, as a guy whose favorite college basketball team is is an ACC squad. I have seen this movie before. They'll start nineteen and two, get Carolina or Duke at the Joel or whatever, and then uh, they'll make the field. They'll get overseeded. They'll be a six and lose that six eleven matchup to a mid major, and everybody will wonder how they got a six. I've seen that movie a number of times. Uh, I'm going to throw one at you, Villanova. Man, I I, I feel like we've seen this this movie before. You you, you look up and you got. You know, five guys who don't really wow you, but collectively, they're they're grown men, and they do things right. They rebound the ball. They never panic. They play good defense, and you know, Jay Wright's part of the mafia. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I I was watching. 
I was in Vegas for a show this week, this past week, and um, I happened to turn on the uh, Xavier game, and I, I just wanted to tune in. You know, I mean, I've been interested in Xavier because my cousin is on is a preferred walk on at Ohio State. He's transferred from Air Force, and so he's having to sit out a year. Um, but they needed a practice player, right? Because <laughs> uh, they had no depth at guard. Um, so Holtman brought him on. Anyway, we were talking about preseason scrimmages, and rumor had it they beat Xavier without Blewett. And, uh, you know, he said, yeah, they didn't have Blewett, blah, blah, blah. And I said, but you still, you, you hung with Xavier. So I wanted to turn tune in and see how Xavier was going to be. You know, since – the season's been going. Xavier's, you know, 16-3, and three, whatever, and played all right. They got trucked. I mean, Villanova, <laughs> Villanova's not even playing in their home gym. It's under construction. So they're playing in South Philly. And so it's not even really a home game for Villanova. And Xavier wanted no part of the Wildcats. So I'm taking Villanova as being real. Could they considerably, conceivably do what Kentucky did? in the late 90s, win a title, skip a year, win another title. Yeah. I mean, there's no great team this year. There are a bunch of good teams that may become great by the end when they, once they figure it out. But, I mean, there's so much parity. One through 15, I mean, the, sw- the second weekend is going to be ridiculous this year. Ridiculous. Not that it's not most of the time, but there might be teams don't get out of the first round that are really, really good. We call that the Vegas bloodbath. Yes. <laughs> so what's what's been your uh, – I know you're not locked in yet, but is there a team that you got your eye on that's like – Come marks, they're going to be ridiculous. Not really. Um, I I think the well because they played Carolina yesterday, Notre Dame, because this is a group that this senior class they've been really, really good together. And the only thing that I don't think Notre Dame's ever made a Final Four in men's men's hoops. And they got to the eight uh, two years ago where they lost to Carolina. And they're hanging around, and they've got good guard play. If, and, and you know, like I know, if you got good guards, you got a chance uh, in March. Um, Alabama in basketball. Avery Johnson. Uh seems to have some guys that want to play on both ends of the gym. And uh, he plays, Coach Saban plays in our pickup games. And uh, he's apparently using Alabama I missed, football I missed that impersonation. <laughs> you used to have to do voice, voice calisthenics before you got some of that. Well, it's because I've done it enough times now that I don't have to do the David Robinson thing. And if you're familiar with that on this show. I do an Avery Johnson impression, and uh, I used to have to say David Robinson's name to get into that headspace to do the impression because he 
David, David, David Robinson is a man of great faith who also happens to be a Hall of Fame NBA player, Rob. Uh, I was there with him in 1999 with the San Antonio Spurs when we won our championship at Madison Square Garden. See, it's, it's easy. It's, and then, you know, then it's Avery, like, okay, because I'm here. They went their White House visit they went and they met President Clinton. Hey guys, congratulations on winning your first ever championship. Had to be thrilling. Avery, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Mr. President. I could do this all day long. Wow. Bill Clinton to Avery Johnson to me. So it's uh, all day. But well considering we're almost at ninety minutes and uh, I promise to keep the short the show shorter than two hours. I know. Uh, so one more one more I got uh, other than I don't think that they're they need to do anything different, but real or fronting, what do you think about Wichita State making another Final Four? I think they can, um, it, but like you know, you and I know we talk about this all the time. We we'll talk about this as we get deeper into the season and closer to Selection Sunday, which and I believe is eight weeks from today uh, or seven weeks from today. Uh, it's all about the matchups. If, if you have, and you and I have tracked it, nobody gets the benefit of the doubt from the committee like Duke does. If you look at all of their, their deep runs, it's because they get the, if they're a one, they get the weakest two or the weakest four. Um, like the year Wichita State made their run to the Final Four, they beat Ohio State out in L.A. You were there, you and T.J. Hell, I knew everybody on press row. Um <laughs> Uh, and like last year, Carolina wins having to defeat in successive games, uh, Kentucky and then, uh, uh, Gonzaga and and just that three game run to close the tournament. Nobody's done that since, uh, Duke had UNLV in Vegas or UNLV and, and Kansas in 91, um, Carolina had in the 93 tournament, they had Temple, UC, and Temple, UC, Kansas, uh, Michigan to close the 93 tournament. I think it was Temple, but so they don't ever, Duke never has a tough road like that. Even when they won in 92, they didn't even get challenged to the regional final and it was one of the best games in the history of the tournament so, so i think so they got a shot here here's my question do they play a tough enough schedule all right so they're two and one against the the 12 they beat oklahoma state and baylor and both on the road and they lost to oklahoma they lost to notre dame by one but their best win is marquette um and then the the best team they play coming up is the rest of the year actually is going to be Cincy, and they play them twice since they did move from the Valley to uh, the American. Um, so I mean they play some, they they play you know Houston, SMU. Um, they play some teams, but they're not they're going to be challenged by. Know, another Oklahoma until potentially the Sweet 16. Um, I just wonder if the schedule 
gives them enough tests to be ready to get to another Final Four. I mean, it's Wichita State. It's not, you know, they've been there once. They're not going to be overlooked by anybody. You know, once they get to the second weekend, you know, they're going to get the, the Blue Bloods' best, best shot. Well, and, and, and I think you're right in that regard, but I also think that once you make a big run, look at DCU, look at George Mason, it, it, it gives you hope if you're a team that's good, even if you're not in a power conference. If you, if you handle your business and you get to the tournament, you know you got to do is win six. Uh, VCU, when they went to the Final Four, they played in the playing game in Dayton, so they won six to get to the Final Four, or won five to get to the Final Four. So um, I, I think they can. I mean, I'm interested to see, I, I'm, you know, now I'm going to have to take a, take a close look at Ohio State. I think Calipari's actually coaching this year. He, he doesn't have five lottery picks to just roll out. Uh, he's he's working hard. His son um, is playing significant minutes, if that tells you anything about Kentucky this year. Right. Um, I I think the tournament, like I always say, it's everybody wants upsets in the first two days, but when as it filters down, the better teams usually survive. I I think you want one Cinderella per region. Uh, once you get to uh, the 16 and even to the eight. But by the time you get to the four, the best of the Cinderella's has the best shot. And I think Wichita state based on pedigree alone and recent vintage, they should, they would be my non power five pick to make a deep run. Um, I'd watch out for Boise. I watched them um, against San Diego state the other night and they got a dude who put up 44 on like what? 24 shots or something. I mean, he just went crazy. Uh, they're 14. What's going on with, yeah, go what's going on with the USC? Aren't they supposed to be dunk city, dunk city West? They're supposed to be, but you know, they recruit dudes who get paid by Adidas. Oh, wow. Aren't they in Nike school? They are now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying. No, um, the, um, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they made a decent run last year. Um, I think there was a little bit of a hangover, uh, kind of reading your press clippings. Um, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll see. I think, I think the Pac-12 is going to kind of eat itself this year. I mean, Arizona State looked like world beaters, and then they've started slow uh, in the Yeah, conference. they were the best team in the state of Arizona for a bit. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, Oregon won at Arizona State. Um, Arizona struggled, lost to Colorado on the road. Um, although Colorado's three and one in in conference, um, I don't know. It, it, um, I don't know what's up with USC, but um, I'll give you. I'll throw one more out um, just to watch, and that's Auburn before they get on the death penalty. Um, <laughs> the Bruce, Bruce Pearl, Pearl show cause for a thousand years. Um, <laughs> just uh, they're sixteen and one. They're like five in the RPI. Uh, they haven't beaten really anybody. Uh, Middle Tennessee. They won at the Orange uh, on 
the mountaintop, Rocky Top. Uh, they also beat Arkansas, Dayton. They beat the Racers, Murray State. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the SEC is kind of wide open with Kentucky not being Kentucky. So uh, I'd watch out for Auburn. Uh, he's Rob Adam. All right. Jamie Lynch. It's the Robin Mob Show. First edition of Real Affront in a really long time. I always love that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. And then uh, let's close the show with uh, pitchers and catchers report in three weeks. <laughs> Strong. <laughs> uh, one thing you're looking for in either conference championship game. I'm sorry, say that again? If there's one thing you're looking for in uh, either conference championship game next Sunday, what is it? Uh, I want to see if Jacksonville can get enough pressure on Brady so that the Jacksonville secondary can, you know, shock the world. I mean, everything else is like, for me, it's like, are the Patriots going to win? Everything else, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Well, here's mine. Uh, when I used to do high school football here in Columbus, playoff games, I had the same three things I looked at. I'm going to give you four things to look at in both games. Number one wow. is going to be tur- one. Number one is turnovers. Because as soon as there's a turnover next Sunday, you're going to get a lower third graphic that says the team that gets the first turnover wins X percentage <laughs> of these games. So turnover uh, go, margin. Go to 538.com for analytics. Right. Turnover margin. The second thing is going to be run defense. And uh, both games are going to be key because you're going to want to put – you're obviously going to want to put Jacksonville's fate in the hands of Blake Bortles. And the NFC game – there's not going to be a lot of running in that game. So you're going to have to, one of those quarterbacks are going to have to make a play. The third thing is special teams. The hidden yards and the punch games and the return games in both of those games can be key. And finally, the last thing uh, that I'm going to be looking at is I just have one general question. Neither team in the NFC has ever won a Super Bowl. So whoever wins the NFC Championship game will have a chance to win their first Super Bowl. Now, if Jacksonville wins, then that automatically means that you will have a Super Bowl matchup with teams, the winner of whom will win their first in franchise history. And if my team can't win or my wife's team can't win, I always root for history. So I'd love to see that. So that's what I'm looking at. All right, he's Jeremy Lynch. I'm Bob Havner. It's the Robin Mob Show. Thanks for listening. Be good. Be good, people.